How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Sing it, Johnny. Is Johnny considered country western? I don't know. Um, so last night on this show, I talked about um, Minneapolis, and I posed the question to you, the listening audience: Would you what what would bring you to downtown Minneapolis? Is there anybody out there that wants to come to downtown Minneapolis to do anything? And and we took some phone calls on it, and and um, one of the things that I said was it reminds me of a hellhole that that drains you if you work in downtown Minneapolis. And and um, Benita Soccer took that and and took umbrage with it, and I have no problem with that. She uh, she brought it up this morning on uh, on the morning news with Benita Soccer, and uh, I, I get what she's saying because she wants to see the best of Minneapolis, you know, and, and how do we rebuild it? How do we get it right? I, I get all that, and I'm not upset with her at all. Um, but it brought about kind of a lightning rod if, if you've been out, you know, and, and people started talking about it and it starts buzz. I, I don't pay a lot of attention to social media, so I don't know where it moved there. Uh, I just know that I, I, I got to tell you, I, I, I thank <laughs> this audience. I mean, the number of emails and texts I've lost track of. Um, pe- people that I just respect tremendously and, and, and saying that we at some point, you know, somehow we've got to address this issue. And that is that, that downtown Minneapolis is not what it could be. And it, it, it's, in my opinion, not even close. But, but it, it, this isn't about me. When, when I see what's happened to downtown Minneapolis, I, I don't say, well, this is all about my opinion of downtown Minneapolis. I go out onto the streets and I talk to the people in downtown Minneapolis. And I talk to the people that own businesses in downtown Minneapolis. And I talk to the people that visit or don't visit downtown Minneapolis, and I ask why or why not. And I talk to the people at office in downtown Minneapolis, and I ask them about what it's like. And and you start to develop some sources and and some consensus in this thing. 
And then I have the perspective of coming down here for 36 years as of February 1st, 1986 until just the last week, 36 years um, to downtown Minneapolis. I've seen the trend. I've seen what it's like. And, and, and I've seen the ebb and flow and the highs and the lows. When we had the Super Bowl here a few years ago, it couldn't have been better. I mean, it, you, you, in January, and we are lighting this place up in the best possible way. It is fun. It is, it is festive. People are getting after it. And then I saw COVID come, and I saw um, the day that um, the man took his own life, and somebody said that the police officer shot him, and it wasn't true, but it was too late, and they and they came, and they um, people came and ripped apart a good piece of downtown Minneapolis, including right where I work on 11th and Nicollet, and I, I became so saddened by it, and I became... Um, it got to a point where I go, I never thought I'd see this. And then I saw the boards go up on our windows and all the windows in downtown Minneapolis. And it was just sad. It was just so sad to see. And you'd walk out uh, what used to be this, you know, this walk through downtown that you just enjoyed so much. And, and, and the joy was gone. And you'd look to see who was rebuilding their offices and who, you know, what windows had been broken. And then, and then I talked to the people, and I, I mentioned this earlier today. You know, Ping's Restaurant on Fourteenth and Nicollet. I should go back there again. It's a wonderful, kind of a landmark place. And the last time I was there, um, which was probably a month ago or so, they're only doing takeout, and, and the lady that runs it was telling me she didn't know if she was going to you know, stay in business. And um, it just saddened me because you know here she is, she's living the American dream, and and she had done it the right way. And um, you walk out of there on 14th and Nicollet and you see um, things that, that alarm you. You, know, you. you smell marijuana. You, you see people lighting up in a car. You're not quite sure. And, and you kind of scurry back. Now, downtown Minneapolis is more than that. It also is um, home to the homeless. And has been for a long time, long before COVID, long before George Floyd. And um, what the George Floyd incidents did for me was instead of looking at massive groups of people, I started to look at them one by one and realized that each one had their own story. So I started to stop and talk to the homeless in the summertime, not so much in the winter, a little bit in the winter. And I have been so enlightened and so amazed by that group of people. Number one, I can't believe <laughs> how many of them watch the news on TV. They go back to shelters, etc. And, and they comment, you know, what they saw on television. And um, I have sat with them at PV Plaza on beautiful nights in the summer and listened to their stories. And their stories are compelling because so many times you're going, if not by the grace of God, that could be me. And they're not a threat. They're not a violent threat uh, to those of us that work here and, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, go back and forth. Um, but you need to stop and talk to them. And you find out that some of them have a mental illness that, that they're aware of. And you feel for them. That's, to me, that's kind of the beauty of downtown Minneapolis is on its best days, 
it's got this massive diversity and and, and and this melting pot of people from every walk of life. And it, it reminds you as you walk through, no matter where you come from, it reminds you uh, in, in life's rawest terms uh, how different everybody is. And, and that, you know, I come from one place, but somebody else comes from another. And, and, and at its best, it does that for you. It reminds you to get out of your bubble and get out of your comfort zone. And so I've made that my quest over the last few years. To visit with the homeless, to talk to the people that own the businesses, to talk to the people at office here, uh, to talk to whoever, whoever converses as you walk down the street. And obviously, because I'm on TV, I get stopped a lot. And lots of people want to talk. And sometimes it's, you know, somebody that works for the city. And sometimes it's in fill in the blank. And I am just, I don't believe, based on all those conversations, because I'm a reporter first at heart. I, I, love, I love being a reporter more than anything else, more than being a talk show host, a television anchor. I love being a reporter. I think being a reporter is the, is the most fun thing that I do. And being a reporter requires you to go out and listen to a whole bunch of different people and opinions and, and listen to facts in terms of what they've seen. And they're alarmed, and they're saddened, and they're discouraged in downtown Minneapolis. And if you're unaware of what's going on in downtown Minneapolis, then, then I, don't, I don't really appreciate the comments. Because if you, I've lived it, and people say, you live in the suburbs. Yep, I do. And I drive to downtown Minneapolis every day, and I walk the streets, and I talk to the people, and I go do stories in North Minneapolis and in South Minneapolis and everywhere in between. And I listen, and I listen to the people that live it, and I see what it's like because I live it as someone that works downtown, and I've put a lot of money into this town over the last 36 years. You know, it's three grand a year just to park here. Before you talk about all the food you bought, the clothing you bought, the entertainment you've done, I put a lot of money into this city. And I, and I expect, I expect it to be good in downtown Minneapolis, and I should, and you should too. You should expect it to be safe and vibrant because there has been a ton of money spent on downtown Minneapolis. The Nicollet Mall and they redid it and all those things. You should expect that from downtown Minneapolis. You should expect this to be a place where you go and it's vibrant and you get energy and you say, eh, it costs a little, but it was worth the cost. That's not happening right now. When you, when, when you shut Target down at 6 o'clock at night, and you shut the skyways down at 6 o'clock at night for the obvious fear of you don't know what's going to happen after 6. It's difficult not to be depressed by that. On cold winter nights, when I'd walk from Target Center over to, to 11th and Nicollet, so I'd go to the Timberwolves for one half, and then I'd walk back to the TV station, and I'd see maybe four people in the last four blocks. That's not comforting, folks. And I know there are some people that want to believe in in Camelot, and and that that this is you know what we we need to we need to talk about what can be done, how we're going to rebuild it. Okay. But we don't decide what the news is. The news is what the news is. You don't get to pick what the news is because you want it to be that way. That's not the way it works. I wish it was. But when I go eat at a restaurant the other night, and there's like five people in a place that seats 300, and it's a Thursday night. I mean, that's not the way. You want downtown to be a destination, a place that people come. 
And I know some of that's COVID related. But I also know that I'm not so sure that we bottomed out in downtown Minneapolis. And I certainly don't think we figured out a plan as to how to rebuild this thing. And, um, you know, we've got the Dayton's Project over there. Uh, we had the lady on from the Dayton, Dayton's Project, Ms. Berthume. And, and, and it's a wonderful project. Conceptually, it's great. It, 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 it speaks to what, you know, our, our history and Dayton's and all those things. It's really cool. But they need a bunch of other commerce going on to, to, to make that palatable, to make, to, to make that work. And um, we're a long way from having that right now. And I, I, I said this before, but I'm, I'm not kidding. I wear tennis shoes, not because I'm trying to imitate David Letterman, because I want to make sure that if I can't get in my car, <laughs> I'm going, man, I'm running. And I know where the next place is. You know, I saw a guy one night last year, two years, I can't even remember now. It's all a blur uh, after a while, but I, I remember the, the, the events. And and he had a skateboard, and he was up in front of me on 12th and Nicollet at night. I was walking to my car, and all of a sudden, for some reason, he got mad. And he took that skateboard, and he just smashed windows in a building. And then he skateboarded on. Um. That's not normal, folks. I saw it. I saw it with my own eyes. Um, I've seen things. I, I see things that I've never seen before. I've seen windows broken and cars broken into, including my own. Those, those, I'm not making this up, folks. I know it's not what you might want, but it is what it is. And I know that many, many, many of you Understand that. And it doesn't mean that you're trying to dissolve downtown Minneapolis. It means that until there's some resolution or you see some improvement, you're not coming to downtown Minneapolis. And I think that's fair. Because we, those that, of us that work here and those, and those people that, that, that run it, need to make this a place where people want to come. And... You can you can want you can live this fantasy land, where you go. Well, yeah, if everybody just uh, starts to come down and have a dinner in downtown Minneapolis, everything will be good. I, I, okay, but that's not going to happen. So at some point in time, you got to get real about this thing instead of pretending. And and, and if you want to know what's going on in in downtown Minneapolis, be my guest. Go park your car a couple blocks away and walk like I do every day to work. Walk from the radio station to the TV station. I, I don't have all the answers. When, when, when they have these, these riots, go out there. Insert yourself. Go into these crowds. That, and let me tell you, today would be a good example. Amir Clark at the, at the government center. Do you want to know how people feel about that? Go over there and engage them in conversation. They'll be happy to engage you in conversation. And it won't be yelling, it won't be rhetoric, it'll be, it'll be civil conversation. And you will be able to ask any question that you want to most of the people there. And, and you'll be able to say, now tell me why you're upset and tell me how you feel and tell me, and, and you will gain this whole new perspective and knowledge that goes into it. But you got to go. You can't just sit back. You got to go and engage yourself in that, in that community if you want to know the answers. And it's not enough just to have an opinion. You got you got to ask them the questions that you want answers to. 
They're not going to be offended. But if we're going to build this thing, we need to engage and we need to know what's going on. And it's not enough just to say, um, well, you know, we need to, you know, uh, if everybody just thinks positive, I think we can get this turned around. No, you can't. We need concrete methodology as to how to get this back. We need ways to attract businesses to downtown so they want to come here. And it can't be that they just do it out of charity. There's got to be something sitting there for them that makes it worthwhile. We have to do that with them. We have to make it easy for people to park at the meters instead of how it is now. We have to have easy access to things. There's lots of things that we have to do. And then we have to engage with one another. And... um I don't have all the answers, but I have a lot of questions, and I go out and ask those questions every day. And, and, and it might be with the homeless person, it might be with the guy that owns the restaurant, it might be with the guy that's a financial planner in the IDS Center, but I ask the questions, and then I listen. That's it. And it's not Camelot downtown, folks. It's bad. And you can't get around that. But you can keep asking questions, you can keep trying to figure it out, and you can keep talking to people. I talk to people in 38th in Chicago. I talk to people. I talk to people all the time, different places. And then I listen. And um, and when the riots happened, I went out on the front lines and talked to them out there. And I'd invite you to do the same. Don't tell me what happened out there. If you want to know, I'll go out there. Because you'll be amazed at what you learn, and you'll be amazed how transformative it is, and you'll be amazed how much that tells you about what's going on in Minneapolis and downtown Minneapolis period. And um, it's not just, this isn't about me saying it's a hellhole that drains the life. That That's not what this is about. It's about identifying what the issues are and then trying to make changes. But we haven't even identified all the issues. We haven't gotten to rock bottom yet. And, and the only way you can know that definitively and understand what I'm saying is to go out there and live it. Uh, anybody wants to go out there and live it? Be my guest. Be my guest. I'll run India out on the street, I'm sure. When we come back, the Super Bowl is here. There's this guy I know that's covered more Super Bowls than almost anybody I know. I'm going to ask him about what it's like to cover a Super Bowl when we come back. Took the midnight train. Going anywhere. Welcome back, Sports to the Max. The Hammer, we call him, Craig Schreffner veteran of WCCO Radio, and a veteran of covering Super Bowls over the years. Been a little bit different, obviously, the last year, etc. But he's been there, done that. And Hammer, uh, this time of year, as we go to L.A. You're not going to L.A. this weekend, are you? I'm flying out on Thursday, oh, actually. come on. Yes, I am. Are you, you and E? Uh, yes, we're flying out Thursday afternoon, and we'll be there through Tuesday. Wow. So, so, so far to date, what has been, when you say the best Super Bowl, I don't mean in terms of who won or lost. But the best Super Bowl in terms of city ambiance that you've covered. I really like the way Atlanta did their Super Bowl a couple of years ago. Really? And you were down at that one too. It just felt like everything is organized. Well, first of all, Radio Row is actually I was Atlanta too. What yeah. am I saying? I saw you there. Exactly. Well, Radio Row they actually had a convention center instead of a yeah, food yeah. court. Yep. So you had more room to move around yep. and everything. Yep. And I just think Atlanta, they've hosted so many big events over the years, they actually have a good idea for what they know what to do. Like they've had the Olympics, they've had Final Fours. True. So Super Bowl is yeah, nothing out of the order. they keep it all in one, little, exactly. one quarter of the city, don't they? They do, exactly. They have a nice little downtown area where it's easy to get around, easy to travel back and forth to the stadium, hotels, everything. I just, I really like the way Atlanta did the uh, coverage of their Super Bowl. 
and, and obviously the, the greatest Super Bowl you ever were at was when your team Seattle won it, right? Uh, that's still the greatest night of my life. I, I'm, I'm still in disbelief that actually happened. But you were there. I was there, and that's just they just dominated from the outset. Now, now do you, is it true you were hugging Seattle fans that you'd never met before? Uh, yes, that is was true. That kind of a feel. That is true. Yes. Well, so what do you anticipate in LA? I, I haven't looked to see the restrictions, etc. Well, I know the Bengals just arrived today. Yeah. And they're going to do virtual stuff on Wednesday, Thursday. But Friday, I guess at the practices, they're going to have outdoor media availability. So I'll be interested how that goes. But for the most part, things are still restricted in L.A. I mean, you have to wear your mask when you're indoors and everything. Uh, you don't have normal access like you had previous years. So they're still they, they're trying to open up little bit little, but still there are restrictions you have to deal with. Right. The last thing you want is to bring your team to the Super Bowl and find out that they got COVID on Tuesday because they it, were doing interviews. Exactly, right? yes. So I get that, but 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 for people that don't understand, um, that that's a tough way to cover it. It's easy, but it's tough. You know, it, it, part of the fun of it is to is to go into these areas and you go look at all these players, you know, and, yeah. and, and look at all these people. I mean, th- that's what makes the Super Bowl cool. Yeah. My, my favorite part over the last couple of years is like when you go to the team hotels and they have like have the media availability, like they'll bring one guy to the main podium to talk. Then, like in one ballroom, there are like eight other podiums for key players. They have players sitting around the table or just kind of waiting for people to talk to them. Yeah, and you don't know that if you're doing it virtually, but like you might walk in there, like I remember the, the one in Atlanta, and, and the Rams were in that. And, and yes. there's John Sullivan. Exactly. played for the Vikings. Perfect. Cordero Patterson. Oh, Cordero played for the Vikings. Those were perfect interviews for me that you wouldn't, you're not going to get virtually. You have to be there to see. Great example. And like I do a lot of freelance work when I'm down there. So, like, my uh, boss for freelance, he just gives me a list of names, like, hey, get this guy, get this guy. I try asking like two or three questions or so, and I send the sound back, and they feel like they're happy with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. And we'll get it back, but it's just different. You're still going to have fun out there because you and you always have fun. Yeah, we've yeah. got a we've got a uh, interesting weekend. I got a buddy who lives out there too. who's going to kind of show us around and everything, so that's going to be helpful as well. Okay, stay out of Beverly Hills. It's very expensive. I've been there once. I know what you mean. All right, thanks, buddy. When we come back, Blake Hoffarber breaks down basketball and the Gophers and the Big Ten and more. Stay with us. I cannot believe what I'm about to say. We're talking about possible rain tonight. Come on. You got to be kidding me. I don't know if I want rain because I'm afraid it's going to turn into ice so quick. But that's what we're talking about. Um, tomorrow, tomorrow, high of 36 degrees. Thursday down to 9 degrees for a low, 37 for a high, 80% chance of snow. Friday, cloudy. Uh, start out at 4 degrees up to 37. Then Saturday, we're back down to 5 below for a low, 7 above for a high. How is this working? Currently, it is uh, cloudy, hazy, depending on where you are, and 38 degrees. Blake Hoffarber knows a lot about basketball because he played at a high level at Hopkins University of Minnesota. This gets back to what I'm talking about. If I want to know about what's going on in the Big Ten, I can give you an opinion from the cheap seats, but when I get somebody that's actually played in the Big Ten, highest level. Blake Hoffarber, and we'll talk about it. The Gophers play at Nebraska tomorrow. Uh, and Nebraska's really struggling. The Gophers have struggled, but been close. And Blake, I got to tell you, it's, it's, this Gopher team is, is kind of fascinating because they never give up, they never quit, and, and, and they kind of run out of gas at the 35-minute mark, 37-minute mark a lot in the Big Ten. But it's not like you go away, go away saying, "Oh my gosh, they're not any good." You you kind of go away more frustrated than anything else because because you, you go, "Man, they were kind of close that game." And even against Iowa, that's happened time and time. How do you see it from where you sit when you watch these games? 
Yeah, no, that's a that's a good point. I mean, I think I, I mentioned this earlier on in your show earlier on in the year, but or even end of last year, but you know, I think at the beginning of the year, every fan and, and former player like myself, I, I wasn't expecting a much from the team, and obviously they got off to a hot hot start. And you know, with all the transfers that happened last year and new kids coming in, you know, it's going to be a little bit of a cluster for Coach Johnson, and he did a great job. And like you said, come Big Ten now, it's we all knew it was going to be a juggernaut, but they are doing a lot better than I thought they were going to be doing. It's just almost they run out of gas towards the end, which is, you know, kind of common come, you know, this time of year, you know, players start losing their legs a little bit, but also it, it's affecting us a little bit because we don't have a ton of, we don't have a big bench, right? And, yeah. and a lot of big 10 teams are playing a lot of different guys. Well, we just yeah. don't have that, that level of guys that can play at this type of level. So I think it kind of hurts us down the stretch, but they are doing a great job. So, so you know, knowing what you know and, and, and the new landscape of college basketball, if you look at the Gophers right now, they, it looks like they've got a pretty decent uh, freshman class coming in. You won't know till they get here, but uh, Farrell and Carrington and, uh, you know, they, they've got some guys that, that have uh, cut their teeth pretty well in the, at the high school ranks. Uh, but would you look – you know, it looks to me like be careful. You don't want to rely too much on freshmen at all anymore in the Big Ten. Uh, you better be at least keeping an eye on that transfer portal for that mid-major, two hundred and thirty-pound, six-eight kid that, that that can take up space. Uh, how would you go about your business as you look at this roster and what 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 to taking that next step next year? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I they've done a great job on getting some uh, local players out of high school now. Um, so kudos to that, but you're exactly right. I, I don't think you can rely on a freshman coming in. I think after this year, I mean, I think Ben's got to truly look at the transfer portal, kind of like he did last year. And I think number one is try to get some kids that might have left Minnesota for quote unquote bigger schools. And, you know, things might not have gone the way they wanted to, and potentially they want to look back home or some just other kids that are across the country, not liking where they're at you know, mid-majors or high-majors and, and, and get some big guys, like you said. I think getting some big, strong guys are going to be a big thing for us. I mean, with Eric Curry, is kind of one of our only guys this year, and he's going to be gone next year. Um, you know, I don't know anything about it, but, you know, getting a guy like, you know, I'm sure he's going to be there for four years or whatever, and I know nothing about this, even though he's a Hopkins guy, but say like Curran Walton, right? If he enters the transfer yeah. portal, say – because, you know, maybe, you know, I know he's having a little bit of a, a down year this year. Compared North Carolina, to last year. Yep. He's a great player, right? Yep. If he enters that transfer portal, we should be all over him. Not saying he will, but those are the type of players we should go after. Blake Hoffarber is our guest talking about uh, gopher basketball, what's good and what needs to change, et cetera, going forward. You mentioned Kerwin Walton. I, I watched him work out a lot in the off season, And he is, if you walked into a gym and watched him work out, you'd think he was an NBA player. The way he shoots it, his mechanics, all those things. Now, that probably speaks a little bit, you know, it can speak to the offense that they're running for him and are they giving him screens and all those things. But you as a shooter and a Hopkins shooter, if you were with him and you were trying to make the game easier for him right now, because he's probably fighting himself a little bit in confidence all those and all those things that go with it, but you know that there's a greatness there to unlock. What would you tell him? How do you, how do you try to get that out of someone that you know has it in him? Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, I, I went through that similar thing my sophomore year, similar to, to him. He's a sophomore. I think the biggest thing, and he knows it too, it's just tough to get around to it, but just try to focus on playing hard. I think if guys start focusing too much on, hey, my shot's not going down or I'm not doing a good job, the harder you work, the harder you play, the less you'll think and the more your natural abilities and natural you know, shot and shot-making skills or whatever you do best will come out. So, you know, I, you know, it's easy to say, but that's truly what you got to do, just – 
put your head down, dive for loose balls, and then all of a sudden it'll come to you, right? You get a couple layups, you see the ball go through the hoop, and, and then you start uh, getting into your rhythm again. It kind of looks like another Hopkins guy. Amir Coffey went through that at the NBA level, and, and this year he's reaped some of those rewards. Exactly, yeah. Amir's having a – I don't know if people have been following him, but he uh, wasn't playing a ton to, at the beginning, and um, now he's doing great and playing a lot. And I think, you know, it, it goes to show they have a couple injuries, right? So you just got to be ready to step up at the right time. And the guys that take advantage of when they can step up and get into the game – you know, it's huge, and the guys that aren't ready and kind of sulking on the bench saying, oh, you know, I should be playing, I don't know why I'm not, and then all of a sudden they get that opportunity and they're not ready, they're never going to get that opportunity again. So Amir's doing a good job on, on you know, taking advantage of this. You know, Blake Hoffarber, a great shooter, obviously, you were and are. You beat me and Horst, you're such a good shooter. Um, <laughs> it pains me to say that, but you did. And and you used some trick shot I've never Good seen off, before. Where you, the last shot, you, you it was. I wanted to do real shots, and you sat down uh, on the baseline and shot it, for, it, it sitting down on the court. I've never seen that before. I thought that was a, uh, that was quite a trick shot that you pulled off. But <laughs> but <laughs> but you know, let's just okay. So, so you work all year on uh, to shoot the basketball, and, and some of the Govers do, etc. Um, if a coach can see that you can shoot it, is, is it the coach's responsibility to figure out how to set screens and get a shooter the ball, or is it the shooter's job? You know, I think you you can't rely on a coach to do it. You got to find a way to get yourself shots. Granted, there's some type of players that just aren't more the the players that can find their own shot, right? So it is it is good if you get have a coach that understands your game, understands you know, uh, offensive set to get you an open shot. You know, when I was in school, Ohio State did a really good job at that. They had a player by a guy named John Diebler that was a really good three-point shooter, and they had a lot of good players on their team, but they always found a way to set up a a set play for John to get a three-point shot off. And it wasn't, you know, it was always, there were different variations within the plays, but Bad Mata did a great job on, um, getting him that, that one opportunity to get him an easy shot to get him to go. But you can't always rely on your coach to do that. you got to be able to, to work on the offseason, work on, you know, one step, you know, dribble, pull up, uh, fade, you know, whatever your game's going to be. And that's why you see Steph Curry used to be that more, hey, he's just a shooter, to now he's a magician out there, right? Yeah, and, and by the way, you played against him in one, camp, right? One dribble step back, one leg shot, you know, fading away. I mean, those are the type of things, as crazy as it sounds, they need to practice to be able to get their shot off when they're getting double teamed all the time. And there are trainers that will train you in that. I mean, it's, it's kind of a balancing thing where you where you, you, you turn your back to the to the basket at the free throw line, you yeah. turn around on one leg and you shoot it, and it's amazing what that does for your balance and, you know, things like that. You know, Peyton Willis has played so well uh, coming back for another year with the Gophers, and, and it's Jamison Battle has played so well. Um, do they, I mean, does that tell you in some respects when you see um, the way some of these teams function that if you come in in the summertime and you go to summer school together and you play together, is that enough time to form a pretty good team in terms of conceptually that you understand each other? Because with the transfer portal being such a big part of it and maybe the Gophers leaning on it, uh, that might be a big piece of it. Yeah, I mean, I think nowadays, you know, even when I was in school, you know, you would have a couple months here and there and you couldn't practice in the summer, but you'd be at, you know, you'd be taking class and having open gyms and weightlifting and stuff. Well, now I believe they can practice more in the summer. So it's huge for these teams that are getting a lot of these transfers and trying to get their teams to mesh. 
I still think the best teams, you know, getting those newer players that are really good to, to buy into the system and mesh in, but the guys that have been around for a while and, you know, four-year players that know exactly when they turn their head where that player is going to be just because they've been playing with them for four years, those are the best teams. Well, Spencer Tollickson, I mean, you always do where Spencer's going to be, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah, for sure. Hey, a little Timberwolves talk. Uh, you watch the NBA as well, and all of a sudden they've hit a hot streak. What do you see when you see the Wolves playing Sacramento tonight, but what do you see? I mean, I just – they're they're fun to watch. I mean, I, I the bummer part is, and everyone knows I'm, I'm close with Ryan Saunders, you know, and the bummer part is, you know, whether – you know, Finch is doing a great job, obviously, but, you know, they had a lot of injuries, right? But the good thing this year is they got most of their team together throughout – you know, all the games, which is huge, right? So you got, you know, D'Lo and, and, you know, Carl Anthony Towns and Edwards, they're all playing together and they're great players. So I think um, that's really helping the team out and uh, it, it's showing. I mean, we're, you know, it used to be, you know, for the past 10 years, I felt like I'd get a notification if I wasn't watching the game or at my phone and it would say third quarter, Wolves are up 10, right? So then all of a sudden, you know, 30 minutes would go by and you look back at your phone and we lost, right? I <laughs> know exactly what you mean. What happened? <laughs> I, and, that's, and that's true. I mean, that's 10 years of my life with, you know, like, I guess it is Minnesota <laughs> That's sports, funny because I think anybody that's a fan has gone through that, you know? Oh, my gosh, we're up on the Lakers by yeah. 10 and all of a sudden you get another, another notification. Oh, we lost by 20. It's like, what <laughs> yeah. the heck just happened? <laughs> Yeah, that's something that y'all go through as fans. But, you know, uh, when you see Anthony Edwards and the way he approaches the game, is, is the key to him, you know, granted, he, he he's great athletically. He knows all those things. But at least to date, it seems like he he doesn't take himself too seriously or he's not selfish uh, about a lot of things. Does he strike you that way? Does he strike you as that kind of a teammate? Yeah, I think so, and he's just so gifted and talented. And you know, the good <laughs> can you imagine what he must have looked like on the summer circuit when he was fifteen, sixteen years old? Yeah, you know, no, how you that's... walk into those gyms and one guy just stands out. About he must have just been off the charts. Oh yeah, and and you can see that now. And obviously, he got to where he is now, being one of the top lottery picks um, for that reason. But the good thing about him that gets him—he's got the talent, he's got the work ethic, and he's you know, confident. Some people might say, oh, he might be cocky, but, you know, you got to be confident in what you do. And I yep. think he's confident and he knows he's he's a good player. And, you know, the if, if your teammates are okay with that and are confident and just know he's going to work his butt off just like everybody else, I mean, that's, that's a good recipe for success. And wouldn't everybody love playing with Jared Vanderbilt? Because... Yeah, he, I mean, he's not taking any. He's not looking to take any of your points away, man. If you miss, he's there, but he's not looking. He's not looking to take anything away from me. He's looking to help you. Yep. No, those are in any in any sport, but you know, in basketball for college and NBA. I mean, you got to have those glue players, right? The guys that are willing to get more pleasure out of setting the screen to get me a three point shot look versus you know dunking the basketball. And there's there are those the people that. You know, they try to fake it, and they don't truly want to do that. But there's other players that get to the NBA just being a role player because they truly find success in in watching someone else have success, meaning, you know, giving someone else a dunk, giving them a lob, setting a screen for them to get their three-point shot off or whatever it may be. But every team needs those type of players, and every player wants to play with that type of player. And everybody needs a bullseye shooter like Blake Hoffarber, too. Blake, thank you so much. Always enjoy visiting with you. 
Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. Yep, we'll talk soon. Blake Hoffarber, former Gopher great, former Hopkins great, Mr. Basketball. I did. I played him in horse, and he made a shot. Can you believe that? That he'd sit down on the baseline and take a shot from there and call that part of the... That's a joke for those of you that don't get it because he made that shot, remember, when he was a sophomore in high school when the state championship and uh, got an SB for it and everything else. And uh, that's when we first got to know him. Uh, but what a class act he is. Um, what he did as a player was predicated upon hard work and this and that. I got to tell you something about today's basketball player versus when you and I grew up. And it's something that's profound that might surprise you when we come back. I should have seen by the look in your eyes, baby. Welcome back, Sports to the Max. Been a good show tonight. Terry Steinbach on baseball, Blake Hoffar on basketball. Gave you my take on what it's like to live downtown Minneapolis and not just talk about it in theory. And uh, much more. Again, I think that you've got the support from people. It's just amazing in this town. Um, I want to send them all gifts, you know. Um, the difference between the basketball players now and the basketball players when you and I grew up, and I, I hate to say this because I was a, I, I, I was a uh, gym rat. Loved playing basketball. So did my buddies, Ivy, Zeke. I mean, everybody. But the kids today work even harder that love basketball. I hate to say it, they do. They work even harder. And, and they've got so many more dimensions to their game. They work on their total body. They work on being getting their feet sound and strong so they can play defense. I hate to say it, but we kind of focus on the offensive end of the game. You know, we shoot a lot of baskets and that kind of constituted practice. But they're, they're working on ways to get open and ways to fight through screens. It's amazing what these kids do nowadays to try to be good enough to play basketball on their, you know, on their high school team. And ultimately, I mean, you can play on any college team. Uh, the MIAC, junior college, whatever it is, good luck. Because you can go out any time right now. If you go out, I, I watched uh, three basketball games on Saturday, three high school games type games. Let me tell you, there's a lot of kids that are pretty darn good out there playing basketball right now. If you can crack any lineup at any level of college, man, you are a stud. When we come back, Gustavus has had some studs, including Mark Hansen, who became their coach 36 years. He's going to retire after this year. His thoughts, his philosophies when we come back. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. 
spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of colors starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.